the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through Luke. You can imagine that when this guy shows up at the temple to get a certificate of cleansing and everybody who's known him has known him, he's had leprosy for years, the priests there are going to be like, how did, how did you get cured of this? What happened to you? And the testimony would be a testimony to them because even Jesus is trying to reach here the religious elite of the day of the priests. So there's a prescribed sacrifice that the lepers are to offer once they are cleansed, but there had never been any cleansing until Jesus miraculously cleanses the lepers here. This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through Luke. Jesus came to save all people, but as you'll continue to see in today's message, not everyone was willing to accept him. While many everyday people saw and believed the miracles Jesus performed, the religious elite of the day simply refused to accept him. Pastor Gary will share a story with you today about Jesus healing a man with leprosy, something rarely, if ever seen, by anyone. This healed man's testimony was unique and had the potential to be a catalyst for revival among the religious leaders. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary in the book of Luke chapter 5 with today's edition of Cornerstone Connection. Let's go to the book of Luke. We're in the Gospel of Luke. We're going to be in chapter 5. So we left off uh, in chapter 5, uh, right at the end of verse 11. Jesus has selected the, the first of, uh, of a few disciples, Peter, James, and John. They were all uh, work associates because they all worked for the same uh, fishing company. They were all uh, partners in, in a fishing company. So Jesus taps Peter, James, and John to be the first of his few disciples and he's going to choose Matthew in this chapter as well, otherwise known by his uh, given uh, Hebrew name, Levi. And when we come here to uh, verse 12, uh, what we find is Jesus is going to be healing a couple of people. One, he heals a man with leprosy, and then shortly after that, uh, Luke records a healing uh, that Jesus performs for a paralytic. Now, again, remember, by profession, Luke was a doctor. He was a Gentile. He was not one of the 12 apostles of Jesus. And uh, being a medical doctor of the day, he likes to record some of the things 
from a medical standpoint. Luke is the only one who records when Jesus perspired droplets of blood in the Garden of Gethsemane, for example. And so he is very meticulous when it comes to some of the details related to some of these physical healings because um, he, he's, he's more acquainted with this kind of a thing. And so he, he wants to make sure that we're aware of the healing power that uh, Jesus had. And so he demonstrates it here, Jesus does, in the healing of a man with leprosy. So let me read verse 12 down through verse 16, and then we'll come, out and talk, uh, come back and talk about it. It says that while Jesus was in one of the towns, and the context is one of the towns of the region of the Galilee, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. When he saw Jesus, he fell with his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. And then Jesus ordered him, don't tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Yet the news about him spread all the more, so that crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. So here we have, Luke tells us that it is in one of the towns, it's unnamed. Uh, Josephus, first century historian, tells us that in Jesus' day, there were roughly 207 towns in the region of the Galilee. Think of Galilee like a province, like a county, like Loudoun County. Within Loudoun County, there are many towns. So it was with the region of Galilee. There were over 200 towns, and each of the population, again, according to Josephus, of about 10,000 people. So that would put the population of the region of Galilee at over 2 million people in the days of Jesus. Not so today, only about a half a million people in the region of the Galilee. So much smaller population today, actually, than it was in the days of Jesus. And Jesus comes to one of these towns, and he encounters a man. The Bible says here, Luke mentions it, he's particular about this, covered with leprosy. Not just slightly having leprosy, covered with leprosy. Now, leprosy was a very debilitating disease that would eventually kill you. Uh, it, it was a bacteria that until 1873 was not identified. For the first, um, of, for the first human hi- um, amount of years of human history, up until the last 200 years or so, there was no cure for leprosy. People who contracted leprosy would die, and it would take anywhere from 10 to 20 years to painfully slowly die from the infection of leprosy. It would affect your skin. It would start out as a rash. It would start out as usually white patches or red patches, and then it would progress. It would attack the flesh and eventually the central nervous system. People would lose feeling in their extremities. It's kind of a, it, it's a misnomer that, that limbs would fall off or fingers would fall off or noses would fall off. But what would happen is that because the, 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 the senses, the central nervous system would be attacked, you would, it, your fingers and your extremities would become desensitized and you, you wouldn't know when you're touching something hot or you wouldn't know when, when you injured yourself because you wouldn't feel it. And in that way, you would lose fingers and you might, you know, uh, encounter other physical problems, but uh, not because it was like a flesh-eating bacteria. It was very painful. They were oozing sores, and it was, again, incurable. Until 1873, when uh, Dr. G.A. Hansen discovered the causative organism for leprosy, and now it's called Hansen's disease. There are still about 200,000 cases of leprosy around the world, according to the World Health Organization. But in this day, uh, lepers were completely ostracized. 
because they were infectious. And in fact, in Leviticus, in chapters 13 and 14, God even gives in the Levitical law a strict standards by which to live in order to quarantine people with infectious skin diseases such as leprosy. And in fact, in, in Leviticus chapter 13, let me just read a couple of verses. It says this in Leviticus 13 verse 45, the person with such an infectious disease must wear torn clothes. This is all because they, they wanted the person to be identifiable. Must wear torn clothes, let his hair be unkempt, cover the lower part of his face and cry out, unclean, unclean. As long as he has the infection, he remains unclean. He must live alone. Notice that. He must live outside the camp. Now, interestingly, in the mid-1300s, the bubonic plague spread throughout Europe. 25 million people died in five years, between the years 1347 and roughly 1352. 25 million Europeans died from the bubonic plague, which is somewhat similar to leprosy. It was an infectious bacteria that affected the skin and the lymph system, and people died quickly from the bubonic plague. You know what saved all of Europe from being completely exterminated? The church got together and read Leviticus 13 and practiced quarantining the sick for the very first time. That's what stopped the bubonic plague, was the Bible. Well, God made provision for quarantining people for the sake of spreading infectious diseases, but the problem with that is that it made an individual, not that God's law is problematic, but just in in the sense of being compassionate to the person who had this disease, it made them completely isolated. If you had leprosy, can you imagine having to announce yourself as this diseased, infectious person everywhere you went, yelling, unclean, unclean, torn clothes, hair messed up, In fact, as it progressed, people would even attach bells to their clothing so that as they walked, people could hear, oh, here comes a leper. And you were ostracized for the sake of cleanliness. You were quarantined. You were isolated. You had no physical contact. You had, you were not able to be touched, hugged by anybody. Now, this is important to realize because I want you to notice that when Jesus encounters this guy who has leprosy, what is the first thing he does? What is the first thing that Jesus does with this guy? It isn't what he said, it's what he did. The very first thing that Jesus does in verse 13, he reached out his hand and touched the man. Now again, Luke says he was covered with leprosy. So this guy is in the latter stages of leprosy. And given the progression of the disease, again, 10 to 20 years, somebody has leprosy before they die. If he's in the latter stages of leprosy, I want you to imagine not being hugged, touched, have your hand shaken. Nobody has physical contact with you for 20 years. And the very first thing that Jesus does is he touches this man. This man has not been touched in years. It is a beautiful picture here of the compassion of Jesus for people who think or who society treats as untouchable. Jesus touches him because the man asked, if you're willing, make me clean. He touched him and then he said, I am willing, be clean. And Luke adds here, and immediately the leprosy left him. Can you imagine just standing there and all of a sudden these oozing sores like, you know, they're they're all healing. And if he was missing any fingers or whatever, they're all all reattaching. This has got to be an incredible scene here. I can just see Luke like, I got to write this down. This is incredible. I I mean, he wasn't the eyewitness, but but nevertheless, he's recording here from eyewitness accounts. This is an incredible moment here. This man is immediately healed of his leprosy. And then Jesus ordered him, now don't tell anyone. And the, and the reason he often says that is because he, he knows that people are going to make him 
king prematurely. He's not come to be king here. He's come to die as savior. He will come again as king. But he knows that people in in a rush for wanting Roman government to be overthrown, they want to make Jesus king. And and so Jesus like, don't, don't, you know, he's he's on a timetable here, a divine timetable. Don't don't tell anyone. But he says this, go show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony, notice, to them, to the priests. Now again, the causative organism was not discovered for, for leprosy until 1873. So there was never anyone who had gone to the priest to get a certificate of cleansing. So you can imagine that when this guy shows up at the temple to get a certificate of cleansing, and everybody who's known him has known him, he's had leprosy for years, the priests there are going to be like, how did, how did you get cured of this? What happened to you? And the testimony would be a testimony to them. Because even Jesus is trying to reach here the religious elite of the day, of the priests. So there's a prescribed sacrifice that the lepers are to offer once they are cleansed, but there had never been any cleansing until Jesus miraculously cleanses the lepers here. And it says that even though Jesus said, you know, don't go around spreading all this, again, verse 15, yet the news about him spread all the more uh, so that the crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sickness. Now, I'm going to read the last verse but before, there at verse 16. But before I do, in Isaiah chapter 1, for you note takers, in Isaiah chapter 1, between verses 4, 5, and 6, Isaiah makes a comparison between, he makes an analogy between the sin nature and leprosy. And, and I'm just going to read the verses to you. Again, it's Isaiah chapter 1, verses 4 to 6. Listen to what Isaiah says. Ah, sinful nation, a people loaded with guilt a brood of evildoers, children given to corruption. They have forsaken the Lord. They have spurned the Holy One of Israel and turned their backs on Him. Why should you be beaten anymore? Why do you persist in rebellion? And then here's the description of leprosy. Your whole head is injured, your whole heart afflicted. From the sole of your foot to the top of your head, there is no soundness, only wounds and welts and open sores, not cleansed or bandaged or soothed, with oil. What we need to understand is that a lot of times there's an analogy between leprosy and sinfulness to paint a picture. Let, let, me, let me give it to you this way on the slide. Leprosy is like sin in many ways in that, for example, it starts out small. You know, you have, you have one little red patch or, you know, one little bit of rash. Leprosy starts out small. That's the way sin is. You know, it, you know little sins starts out small if, if, we, if we're not careful. And then we try to cover it up because people who had leprosy didn't want other people originally to know, so you're trying to cover it up. You don't want people to see it, just like sin. We don't want people to see the sin. We just want to privately commit it. Everybody understand what I'm saying? And then it slowly consumes our flesh. We lose all sensitivity because just like leprosy attacks the central nervous system and then, and then you, you, your, your fingers become desensitized, that's what happens with sin. We, we lose all sensitivity. The more you engage in, in sin that is unrepentant, the more callous we become in our heart, the more stubborn we become, and we lose all sensitivity to that voice of the Holy Spirit saying, this is sin, turn from it and repent. Because the more we engage in it, and the more we just tune out the voice of the Lord, then the more de- desensitized we become to His voice. And then it isolates us. Because the more we engage in sin, then the more we withdraw, the more we are isolated, and it eventually kills us. There's a parallel here. Here is, in other words, how it needs to be viewed. The earth and humanity is one big leper colony. We all belong to it. It's one big leper colony. 
okay? We are sinfully diseased. Now, some people who hear me say this would, might say to yourself, I don't think I'm all that bad. I don't, I don't really think I'm all that bad. Here's the reason you don't think you're all that bad, because you're a part of the leper colony, okay? And you as a leper can't tell the difference between other lepers. You think you all look good because you're part of it, okay? It's like platypus, or platypi, maybe is the plural, I don't know, okay? A platypus is an ugly animal, but not to each other. A platypus doesn't know that another platypus is ugly, because they're one of them. So we can't tell in our sinfulness how grotesque we are because we are all the same. It is God who sees our sinfulness and realizes how grotesque and diseased we are, and so he enters our world to die for our sins. It is only after we are cleansed, forgiven by Jesus, that we realize just how diseased we were. You can't see it when you're in it. It is only after you are cleansed that you can see how dirty you were. Does anybody remember this? I remember being like a six-year-old boy, I don't know, seven, before at some point. I don't remember what year in my life it went from baths to showers. Okay, I don't remember. But somewhere around six, maybe, still taking baths, being outside all day long in the summertime, just getting dirty and grimy, just like a kid gets, right? You're playing outside, especially a boy. You're in the dirt. You're climbing trees. You're throwing rocks. You're doing something, okay? You're beating somebody up. Something like that. And, you know, and mom at the end of the day, we like, go take a bath. I'm not dirty. Go take a bath. You stink. You've been out all day. Go take a bath. And you take a bath. And when you got out of the bath, you remember the brown ring that was left around the bathtub? That was your dirt. Now you didn't know it when you stepped in it. You're like, I'm not dirty. And until you climb out and then you can look back and you can see, man, I was dirty. And that's the way it is with Christ. When Jesus forgives, of our, uh, forgives us of our sins, we often don't see just how corrupt and dirty and sinful we were until after we're cleansed. Because when we're in it, we're just like everybody else. And we don't recognize it. We can't spot ourselves. So this idea of leprosy as a picture of, a, of the sinful state of humanity is, is very applicable to us. And it is the very reason that God came, descended to us, took on flesh to touch us, to bring healing and wholeness to us, just as Jesus literally did with this leper here. It's, it's a wonderful story, and it's a wonderful picture of the healing of humanity from all sin that we're all in desperate need of that comes through Jesus Christ. Now, again here, at the close of this section, news spreads about Jesus. His popularity is, incre- is increasing, and, and he's becoming very well known. And, and all of a sudden, all the sick are coming to be healed. I mean, they're hearing about this, and they want Jesus to heal them. And it seems almost like a very insensitive thing Jesus does. But in verse 16, it it doesn't say, and he healed them. It says, but Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Now, there were definitely times that Jesus healed and he poured himself out. And Mark's gospel records all night there there was a time when he was healing people in the city of Capernaum. But then there were also times that Jesus said, no, enough is enough. And he withdrew to lonely places to pray. Luke, in his gospel, records the prayer life of Jesus more than any of the other three gospels, more than Matthew, Mark, or John. Luke records the private prayer life of Jesus more so than the other gospel writers. And he talks about how Jesus would often withdraw to solitary places, to lonely places, to quiet places to pray, because he knew this, that ministry in any shape or, or, or form, I'm not just talking about you know clergy ministry, okay? I'm talking about all of us have ministry. You have ministry. 
And, and, and where you live and where you go to work, you have ministry to your husband, you have ministry to your wife, you have ministry to your coworkers, you have ministry to your kids, you have ministry to your parents. All of us have ministry, okay? It may not be ministry unto salvation. It can be when you share Christ with other people, don't know Christ, but it can just be simply be ministering the love of Jesus, okay? And, and the more you pour out, the more you must retreat and have your bucket filled again. That Jesus is fully God, but he's fully man. And the more he pours himself out, learn from his example, he also saw it necessary to withdraw at times to quiet, solitary places where he could pray and have the Father refill his bucket. And that's, that's really what ministry is constantly. It's getting our bucket filled and then pouring it out to somebody else. Getting our bucket filled and pouring it out to others. If we really see the idea of being a follower of Christ as being a conduit of his love and of his ministry, of, of, of his hands, of his heart, of his passion for a lost world, then we should constantly be kind of pouring out. So therefore, we need to constantly be being filled up. And Jesus sets this example for us. He often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. We'll read on with me. Verse 17. Now he's going to heal a paralytic. It says, one day as he was teaching Pharisees and teachers of the law... Now, these are the religious leaders who, by and large, did not believe in Jesus, who had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem were sitting there. And the power of the Lord was present for him to heal the sick, meaning just basically that it, that it, was, it was obvious. That's not like a spigot where it was turned on and turned off by the Father, but, but that it was obvious here in this moment. And it says in verse 18 that some men came carrying a paralytic on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus knew what they were thinking. Please make note of that. He knows our thoughts, okay? When is this guy going to be done up there? He, he heard that, all right? He heard that. Listen, Jesus knew what they were thinking and asked, why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven or to say, get up and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. Here's this word immediately again. Luke likes this word. Immediately, he stood up in front of them, took what had been lying, took what he had been lying on, on, and went home praising God. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things today. Yes, indeed, they had. Can you imagine being like in a home fellowship group, okay? You're at a Cornelia group, and you're studying the Bible, for, and you're studying the, the teaching from last weekend, and all of a sudden, you know, uh, the rafters start to shake, and uh, there's a hole in the roof, and somebody's lowering someone down into your living room because the regular teacher is not there that day. It's Jesus, all right? So Jesus is in your home Bible study group, and, and word gets out that he's there in the house, and the house is so packed with people, they can't get their sick friend to Jesus. Now, Mark's gospel, by the way, three out of the four gospels record this story. And Mark tells us that this event happens in Capernaum. 
There's some tradition that says it might have happened even in Peter's house. We don't know that for sure. But the, but the houses in those days were made with some kind of a thatched roof, so it was easier to pull apart. And Jesus is teaching. You have the religious leaders. You have the Pharisees. You have the teachers of the law. They've come from all over the provinces and even Jerusalem. They're listening to Jesus. Most of them, again, are skeptical. They're the religious people. Now, this is kind of ironic because it's like, here is somebody who's desperately in need, this guy who's sick. And sometimes, listen to me, when you are trying to get your friends to get to know Jesus, sometimes you're going to have to go around the religious people. The Gospel of Luke takes a unique look at the life of Christ from his birth to his ministry, his death and resurrection. Luke described Jesus as the Son of Man, one of his favorite ways to refer to himself. Jesus was God in human form, showing all of us what it means to live a completely sinless life. There was no fault to be found in him, yet Jesus was still nailed to a cross. But his death had purpose too. He stood in for you, taking the punishment your sin deserves. And then he rose from the grave, conquering death and the evil one. What an amazing Savior this Son of Man truly is. Are you interested in knowing more about Jesus, or would you like someone to pray with you? If so, please email us at prayer at cornerstonechapel.net. That's prayer at cornerstonechapel.net. Do you live in or near Leesburg, Virginia? If so, we invite you to come join us this Sunday for a time of worship, Bible study, and fellowship at Cornerstone Chapel. Find out service times and more information when you visit our website, cornerstoneconnection.cc. You'll also find previous messages from Pastor Gary and be able to download our mobile app. Again, that's cornerstoneconnection.cc. That's all for today. Thanks for tuning in to Cornerstone Connection. No place to go, but still you know